Welcome to Season 2 of the Shoulda Backed It podcast. We're back for 2020, bigger and better than ever. My name is Phil Georgios, and fresh off the back of tipping five winners today at Caulfield is Herald Sun Racing Analyst Chris Vinuccio. Big day for the CFO Stakes today, mate. Yeah, thanks, Phil. And yeah, it was a uh, big day of racing today. And for those listening, we're, we're doing this podcast on the Saturday evening right after the races. And it's great to see you know, a lot of the good horses coming back. The pain's still raw for, uh, for us then, mate, you know. You can really get to the uh, true emotions of the day. It's uh, only been a couple hours since the uh, ninth race went. Um, but you did have five winners for the day. But it was a punter's day, I thought, you know, with a number of the short price favourites getting up. Um, which we'll discuss throughout the podcast. And all eyes were on Caulfield as well with the abandoned meeting at Warwick Farm. Yeah, it was a um, good day for the punters and it could have been even better because I was on a couple as well that didn't get the money and, um, you know, one of them went close to rulership and I think the other one, Scales of Justice, bit of a hard luck story, I think. I don't think he would have been good enough to beat the winner, but I think he had a, his fair share of bad luck that might have cost him finishing closer. Yeah, well, we'll get to that race later. But yeah, it was a um, it was a star-studded field in the uh, in the CFL today. It was a, a fantastic race um, with a deserved winner in the end. But this this meeting's traditionally been a bit of a shocker for me, Big V, the old uh, CFL Stakes Day. And I was just glad, first up from a bit of a punting spell, to uh, to pick a few winners and get the season off on the right foot, from my perspective. Yeah, because it seems to be one of those meetings where. As I mentioned, a lot of horses are coming back, so you want to see them first, see how they're going. But you know, the money was spot on with you know, nearly all of them, and you had a, a perfect racing surface today where winners were coming from anywhere along the track. So you know, it was just a, the perfect day for punters. Speaking of the perfect day, I, I, this won't be one that you'll remember fondly, but what was one of your should have backed it for the, for the day? Well, a little different today is I'm going to put my should have backed it as uh, Anaheed at the early price of, what was it? I think you could have got 4.20 on Friday still. I did see four around, yeah. I didn't see 4.20, but you're around the mark. Yeah, yeah. so I think I um, underrated her a little bit for this race. I, I thought the Rubiton was more trickier than what it was, but when you go back and look at her form, I mean, she was running against some top-class horses, ran third in the Manicato, finished ahead of Bivouac, and wasn't too far behind Loving Gabby, and you can understand why she... Paid, I think, I think she touched maybe two eighty, two ninety, three dollars, close to the start time. So, I'm putting her down as my should have backed it at the four dollars four twenty. That's where being an expert and knowing all the horses well uh, might have hurt you there today, Big V, because I had a look at that race, saw Anna Heed's uh, rating compared to the rest of the field, and just thought at the minimum should win. Yeah, but I don't look at those ratings too much because that rating's built on her three-year-old record. She's in open grade now. So sometimes those ratings that you see in the paper or online can be a little bit misleading. But, um, yeah, I think uh, in hindsight, she just... The way she won, I mean, the three-year-olds look really good and we haven't even seen some of the really top class yet like Exceedance, you know, Bivouac, Libertini and some of these horses like Alabama Express, Anaheed and microphone, they were the second stringers to them, and the three-year-olds had a, a day out as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big one for the three-year-olds this autumn. Um, definitely saw some of the the better races won by them today. But anyway, Phil, you had a, 
a really big day on the punt. And I, oh. I know that, but oh. so is there a sort of back that, that you had? Yeah, I have to stretch my mind back to the first race, which does seem a little while ago now. But actually, I've been following and backing that Ryan's Fender, I reckon, the last three or four starts. And I guess I just thought, I saw the word autumn. I know we're not in autumn, but autumn carnival kind of on the horizon. I thought this field, it might have been a bit too strong for him. But when you really look back at it, it's been racing against similar horses and getting the jobs done on a regular occurrence. So... The fact that it started for three dollars, sorry, eleven dollars, um, actually stings yeah. a bit in hindsight. Yeah. I didn't actually have a bet in the race, but disappointed to have missed that and an early an early mistake. But it, as you say, was rectified later on in the card. It had the right race fitness, and it did come off a flat run, which leads me to my should have sacked it. And I'm going to go in the same race and Sir Pippin. Mm. He just had back. It was favourite last start and ran fourth, so it was well backed into about. Four dollars to two dollars sixty last start and runs fourth. Gave it another chance. Just really poor today and out the back, never a chance. And I, I thought it'd do a lot better having the the race fitness. And you've got a few other horses like King of Lear, Lear Grants and I think Venice Beach Street Cheek as well. Street Cheek, yeah. Um, but some of those others were were first up. I expected better from Sir Pippin, so that's my should have sacked it. Yeah, probably got a bit too far back early in the day. I mean. Um, Ryan Fender actually led all the way and was challenged in the straight and stuck on really well, actually. So, um, you know, it's a pretty handy horse, that one. And, and if you see it in open grey, definitely worth a, a look. Um, I should have sacked it for the day, and it's definitely not a horse I'll be sacking again in the future. It's just today I probably shouldn't have got on it. was be good to your mother. Probably proved that it wasn't quite a wait-for-age horse today, I thought. Um, just a wait got it in the end. And I think also the jockey mentioned after the race the firm track didn't help it, but... Wasn't quite up to a couple of those really seasoned wait for age horses. Yeah, and um, yeah, disappointing run, and that probably probably leads on to the CFR Stakes, the main race, and you know general discussion on that race. Yeah, the winner Alabama Express was really good. Um, just on be good to your mother. I mean, I don't, I, mean, I don't tend to listen too much of the the firm track excuse. I mean. Be Good to Your Mother's run on good tracks before, I, I reckon. And I, I just think with Be Good to Your Mother and Haydock, I think they went too quick and that they've finished well off. And I thought Scales of Justice looked like he was in the perfect spot just behind them. And if you're betting in the run, I reckon his price would have been about $2. I, I, I was nearly counting the money <laughs> in the run. And then I think Be Good to Your Mother, by the end of the race, he'd had enough, shifted out. I think gave Scales of Justice about two good shunts. I think Haydock might have caused a little bit of that as well, yeah. coming out and feeling the pressure yeah. as well. So I reckon that's cost the favourite maybe running top three. Mm. I don't think he'd be, he might have been good enough to have beaten the favourite because he was under a bit of urging getting into the straight. But as Alabama Express was passing Big Good to your mother, Scales of Justice was still you know right on him and you know getting a couple of shunts really did put him off his momentum so yeah a bit unfortunate there yeah it was probably a disappointing run i think for that horse you, as you mentioned you were pretty keen on it yeah. um i mean you, at the end of the day it's only finished one and a half two lengths from the winner in the end and yeah. it was six in that position so really um just race pattern and how it played yeah. out was was going to be a factor there and that's twice now that scales of justice has been undone by a really fast race i mean i was on him in the Maccabi diva and that was a a really fast early temper as well. So the two times I've backed the horse, it's 
done nothing, which is just bad luck <laughs> on my part. But you know, when to when you're on yeah, it, everyone know. runs away now. Is that uh, the idea? The, the, the top runs by him, I haven't been anywhere near it. But <laughs> yeah, the um, just unfortunate. But there was a couple of good runs behind as well, and I think one horse. I mean, you're going to mention it later in your horses to follow, but we should just bring it up now. But fierce impact. Oh yeah, that, Kings Will Dream. Yeah, they um, were top runs. Hasn't Kings Will Dream come back beautifully yeah. from its injury? Um, and fierce impact. Yeah, definitely one to follow in in its next start. I mean, it's hitting the line first up, second. It looked like a horse that's going to be winning uh, maybe multiple times again this prep. And Avilius was it was good as well. But how many chances do you give Avilius with his pattern? I mean, he was crunched. To five dollars, opened thirteen dollars on Wednesday, and he's five dollars today. But I think he got too far back. But that just seems to be Avilius, you know. Yeah, really I, run on and. I wasn't quite on. convinced with Avilius um, today. I think first up from memory, and it doesn't mind a little bit of cut out of the yeah. ground. I know you don't like the firm track excuse, but I do think that's a horse that if you see a soft five so, later yeah, in the uh, autumn, it's hard to beat on the yeah, soft tracks. Yeah, I'll be um, probably getting on then. But yeah, at the end, looked like a good value bet early in the week, but by the end, yeah. looked like a little bit under. So yeah, that's thought, how the market can fluctuate. Yeah, I mean, I thought first up 1,400. I was surprised that he was so short, closer to the, the start time. But um, I am a little bit surprised that they decided to run in the all when they had the Apollo, I think, next week as a fallback option, particularly with the wet weather they're getting in Sydney. <laughs> I mean, he would have been a real you know, top chance in a, in a race like that where I think, is the Apollo 14 as well? It might be 16. Mm, but no, on, in that range. Yeah. But, in, but in those track conditions, you know, that would be you know, feel like a, a longer race and... Yeah, I was, I was surprised he did come down. I was. He must have been confident then. Yeah, and that's probably where the the market support came from because yeah. he he looks the class. He's the class horse, but even last prep he did disappoint a lot of punters with his you know you know run on pattern that and just falling short. Yeah, well, for me, we started this conversation around fierce impact, and I think it has a bit of early Santa Ana Lane feel about it in the in that. It, doesn't really get found you know it always starts at a reasonable odd odds yeah. and you always get some good odds about it so i reckon it's definitely one to follow and before everyone jumps on because it won two group ones in the spring and i think it'll probably do some more damage this autumn so we were got it we talked about anna heed earlier um we just and alabama express the other three-year-old that got the job done was microphone and and a little bit like the horse you were just discussing there, Scales of Justice, didn't look like uh, it was going to be winning as it straightened, but yeah, uh, came flew home in the last 100. Yeah, it did, and um, yeah, I thought he, the race was over, particularly when um, Banco you know, shot clear, and I thought he had the race. and Got um, the staggers at the end, I think. Yeah, yeah, it looked like he did, but yeah, microphone really finished powerfully in that last 50 to 100 metres, like he did in the Australia Stakes. Mm. I think there's just the same... Scenario for him, it just looked like under hard riding a long way from home, but really knuckled down in the last hundred. And I think this might be a strong form race because I, I did like the, the run of Adelaide Ace mm. as well. And you know, those first three, you know, look good. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, there's been a lot of questioning around whether Microphone would continue racing or they'd uh, pack up the bags and take him off to stud. But uh, hopefully we get to see him a few more times um, over the autumn and perhaps into the spring as well because, yeah, it's a very powerful horse when it gets going. Yeah, and I think Adelaide Ace might be even better 
you know, getting out to maybe 16, 1800 metres as well. And he was still pretty solid in the market and Banco was one of the drifters as well. But microphone, couldn't believe you can get $4 earlier in the week. And I was... Um, I had a few other more important things I had to do on Wednesday, which um, had to do with doing some wedding planning, which oh. prevented me from getting on the, the I'm, microphone I'm sure, at $4. I'm sure Lady V preferred what you were doing rather than uh, jumping you on horses. On the phone <laughs> yeah, she would, no, that would, um, would not have gone down very well. But by the time I got home about 9pm that night, I saw microphone had really been crunched into $3. and you know, Hung around that price in the end, really, only starting a little bit shorter. I guess if you just looked at those horses pound for pound, probably it's probably uh, could have started even money. But I feel those questions around its run and the Australia Stakes, and also you know just whether it had got back was getting back, yeah. and a little bit of extra weight as well yeah. because of its Group One performances. So now that was a good re- uh, good run, and I was very happy to be on microphone as well. Now, Big V, the big question, you know, we've seen we've seen the fillies, we saw the Colts go around today, the two year olds. Hanseatic, is that a certainty for the Blue Diamond or not? I think it is. Yeah. I was on rulership and um, just so close. I thought I had the money at the 200. Yeah. <laughs> I just maybe... I, Mark Zara said after the race the horse might have stargazed a bit, so maybe not being that um, half a length uh, more clear in the straight might have cost him the win. And when you look at Hanseatic's run, and it wasn't an easy run by any means and the way he still won he'd just be hard to beat in the the blue diamond i thought maybe on this occasion rulership might have been able to pinch a gap on him if it didn't beat it today i don't think it's beating it on blue diamond day now i just had a quick look at the odds you can get two dollars sixty is that worth taking oh i think so why why boys go so high then (laughs) but um i can't see it getting out to three dollars i mean i was if it had got beaten today, maybe you might have got a decent price. Because if, even if Hanseatic had a fallen short, I still I would have jumped off rulership for for him in the Blue Diamond. I guess they're two year olds as well. You've got to see how they how they pull up from these sorts of runs. And um, you know, you know, my New Year's resolution from our Magic Millions podcast is to not go near two year old races. So I'll leave you to handle that one, Big V. But I. Based on that run, that is about as good as you want to see. If it had just run nicely into second, it would still be favourite. But the fact that it then went past rulership would suggest yeah. to me that it, it clearly is the top pick for the Blue Diamond now, barring any other mishaps along the way. Yeah. Well, it just depends on um, how well um, away game might perform. There, there was some talk that I saw that away game, the Magic Millions winner might be uh, might go to the Blue Diamond, and when you see if you draw a comparison between Rathlin, Rathlin wasn't too far off Hanseatic and away games, you know, thrashed it in the Magic Millions. You know, she could be the fly in the ointment for the Blue Diamond, but I'm still pretty keen on Hanseatic. Yeah, you'd want to check that uh, it was going to run. It's $14 in the market at the moment, so obviously there is some uncertainty around that because I do think you're right. It would be a lot shorter if it was a, a certain starter. Wanted to touch on the uh, we, we mentioned this again in the uh, in the Magic Millions uh, special episode. We're getting a lot closer now. We're only two or three weeks away from the All Star Mile. So the first question is, who's your vote for? I voted for Melody Bell. Oh, when you're, I've, that's pretty much based on Magic Wand and how well that horse has performed after the McKinnon. And I thought what a that, warrior that horse is. Yeah, it's 
you know, just um, always finding one better in Hong Kong, I think in the US as well. And I still reckon that Melody Bell should have won the beginning had she drawn better, been able to settle a little bit closer. So she's my early pick. But I'm, I'm very worried about the three-year-olds because they look good. I've heard that before. And when you've said that before, Big V, the three-year-olds yeah. have often won. Melody Bell, you, you do remind me. I actually put my All-Star Mile vote in for that as well, coincidentally enough. But I was uh, in a suit the other day and I, um, it must have been the first time I'd worn the suit since McKinnon because I uh, put my hand into the uh, pocket and I found a ticket, <laughs> an unsuccessful ticket which I was surprised to find, um, for Melody Bell. So that brought back some great memories. <laughs> and another interesting thing that the Melbourne Racing Club's doing is around rapid racing. At the VRC, Victoria sorry. VRC. Yeah, sorry, VRC. The rapid racing meeting that's happening tomorrow for us at Flemington's. What do you think of that? I think it's a, a good idea. You always got to try new innovations and see if they work. I don't think we needed to have... The, the teams element to it, Country v Metro, I just think that's a, a gimmick we probably didn't need. And I think it was trying to maybe appeal to a broader audience because you've got the, the AFL personalities as coaches. And I mean, I'm trying to think, well, what are the coaches supposed to do? Yeah, I think the, the industry needs to uh, innovate. I sent you an article earlier in the week about the decline of attendance at these yeah. meetings. So I think they do need to do something. Whether this is it, I'm not yeah. sure. I think the timing's a bit strange. Yeah, sort yeah. of late on a Sunday. On a Sunday, just whether you get a crowd. I mean, they had the twilight racing on the Saturday and didn't get too much of a crowd. Maybe they need to change how they they approach that. I mean, we had the forty minute gaps between races. It's too long. I mean, I, I don't mind having twilight racing. It's just how you make it work. How do you get people to be there and stay there? Maybe you know, it's right on dinner time. So you, you want to have people. You want people to be maybe dining there and you try to maybe have you know, dining packages that have get people to you make a night of it while you're at Flemington whereas Caulfield Mooney Valley might work better because you're in a closer proximity to the city you know getting the train to go into the city whereas Flemington is a little bit out there so it's just you know it's worth trying um I think the the other thing with the rapid racing is it's a lot of benchmark 64, 70 races as well, so they're not easy betting races, but they look like interesting fields. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the, the meeting's being set up, I don't think, for the betting necessarily. I think it's being set up as a, yeah. a different, you know, 2020-style for, for racing. What I'd like to see, I'm not sure we've ever discussed this, and it's just come to my mind, is match racing. Were we ever going to see match racing again? I think that that would be a fantastic spectacle if we could somehow get that into the calendar. I don't know how they would do it. There would have to be some kind of money put towards it. Yeah. But, you know, just yeah. if you're looking at different ways of, of you know, getting attendance and getting excitement around racing, that, that to me seems like something that they could think but about. But in terms of match racing, is it one-on-one? How many horses? Yeah, one-on-one. I mean, I'm not too... I've never been keen on the match racing concept because sometimes in races you do have... It is a match race on paper, like we saw in the Blue Diamond Prelude with Hanseatic and Rulership. That looked like a, a match race on paper. You just have other horses there that provides a bit more yeah, yeah. meat so to, the, to I, the price. I guess I don't mean doing it every week, but having one or two with you know, the top class horses. The concern would be um, the way races are run yeah. in Australia is that they would just sit and yeah. sit and sprint and I don't it would... think it, I don't think it would be exciting. It would be yeah. just like looking at a gallop and just two horses just playing a little bit of uh, you know cat and mouse with each other. 
Whereas you look at the the guineas, the Australian guineas coming up, and we're going to have alligator blood, catalyst, yeah, maybe super Seth running. That's that's a they're, they're three awesome horses that might be lining up against each other. I guess my point would be though that's awesome for us, but at your normal racing, you know, person that might not know who any of those horses even are, are they going to get excited about that? Is that going to bring them but if to we're the races? A match race. How is that going to get them excited as well if they don't know who the horses are? Oh, look, you're probably thinking back to the day when we had great horses like Winx and Black Caviar and, and others, but I, I do I get your point. The only way I think a match race would work is when they were talking about, I think, Black Caviar racing against, I think it was, uh, More Joyous back in the day. I mean, we had two horses at two different... They excel at two different you know, distance ranges. Mm. Then you try and find a, a distance where they can both compete against each other. That's where a match race might provide some interest. But when you've got you know, top-caliber horses and they're going to race against each other you know, in the guineas or you know, if it's a TJ Smith or whatever or an Everest, why do we need match races? Yeah, no, fair, but I'm just, just trying yeah. to think out, not say outside the box, but just a little bit differently. Um, I, I get your point, and I think... Um, no doubt the, uh, the authorities in Racing Australia and et cetera are thinking about different ways that they can attract crowds. There was this one last horse I wanted to note on horses to follow, and that was Bold Star, which ran its last uh, furlong in 11.08. And I thought, you know, it came from a part of the field that not many were making ground from. And I do think that's one to, to take a look at uh, moving forward. Yeah, it was a um, good run, deep in its prep, though. So I wonder... Yeah. Oh, look, yeah, I think it's about five runs in now, and I think it hasn't finished yeah. worse than second no, in that. No, and the competition's going to get Better. stronger, so I'm wondering yeah. where it goes. A couple of horses um, I had to follow, and I mentioned Adelaide Ace. I think that's going to be a strong race. One of the obvious was Tiaku Shark in New Zealand. That looked very impressive. Um, it did, didn't it? I think that's, uh, that's my Queen Elizabeth horse. Uh, we mentioned Fierce Impact. I thought that was a, a top run as, as well. I don't think I've got any other... I know that's your Queen Elizabeth horse because you just showed me a, um, a bet stub of a little multi you've got going. The, the Paying about $320, is it? The Kiwi Treble. The Kiwi Treble, is it? Who have you it's got? A catalyst for the Guineas. Yep. Melody Bell for the All-Star Mole. And Tiaku Shark for the Queen Elizabeth. Mm. Confident with two of the legs... Which one? Are you Catalyst and Tiaku Shark. Yeah. And I reckon, I reckon, um, in a sense of irony, I reckon Catalyst might be the one that upsets Melody Bell. In that, the, that would the be quite ironic. Role. But uh, let's hope that your um, bet gets up, mate, because I think I'll probably be following you in on a few of those myself. Um, now, we don't have a rant this week. I know that we got a lot of feedback from the last podcast. They loved Big big V's rant. We want to hear more Big V's rants. But you've just been so zen and so comfortable the last few weeks. And you've had a few weeks off, I think, um, getting too heavily involved in the punt. So you're just a calm man at the moment. So we might leave that one for next week. We can do a rant off the cuff, maybe. Oh, what are you? Oh, here we go. Breaking oh, news. We're talking about... <laughs> we're talking about I'll do a quick rant. We're talking about Tiaku Shark. It won... At Tarapa at a dollar forty, and I see the the odds for the Chipping Norton. He's come in from three fifty to two dollar thirty favourite. I mean, being a dollar forty shot, he's always expected to win, and he's taken a, and a fair chunk of his Chipping Norton price has really come off. And 
Yeah, that's going to be a strong field, I, I would gather. And without, you know, looking at the, knowing what the nominations are, I mean, 350 to 230 is look like the, you know, the TAB is having a little bit of a, a lend with us. No, that's a good rant, actually. It's a good point, too. forty was expected to win, yeah. so why would the market change? And that happens so often where a horse is a... Is you know, you know, tomato sauce odds, dollar forty, dollar fifty, dollar sixty, and they win as expected. And then for their next run in the all in markets, they have a sizable portion of their price get taken off. Gotta get in early. Yeah. Well yeah, yeah, we have to. I mean it's more so you know, we, we get to see Tiaku Sharky's come back and he's you know, well and good, but he's a dollar forty for a reason. I mean, the chipping Norton you know, three fifty to two thirty. I can understand maybe if he's three dollars. That's short, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Not without knowing what the other, what the rest of the field is. Yeah. But I would gather that on race day he won't be two thirty, unless it's a small field. No, good rant, Big V, and off the cuff too. I'm very happy about that. Um, so there you go, Big V's high horse rant. First one, or well, second one technically for 2020. Now, um, last time we spoke, we spoke about runs from the bush. I'd been around Victoria visiting a, a bunch of the uh, wonderful tracks that we do have around. I do have one this week, um, and I'm sure you do too. I saw you did the tips for Bendigo a few uh, days ago, so no doubt you've been just uh, following the form in the country very closely. But the one I've got is a horse called Liale. So um, this is a Mick Kent horse. Uh, it had a very slow start to its career. Very slow, not, 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 uh, not too much going on. But in the last two races, it broke its maiden with a lazy 13-length win at Yarra Valley. Followed that up a couple of weeks later with a two-length win in a much stronger field at Werribee. So I can see this one going through its grades. And if you see it in a benchmark 64 or 70 coming up, I'd say that's not a bad one to... Uh, to get on to, so that's Liale. All right, Liale, I'll write that down. And I've been keeping a watching brief on Moi Shu. <laughs> What's that one? Where's, where's, that, where's that going? It doesn't, nah, it hasn't had a run since we spoke last, but that's our um, horse to watch. That's the f- end of the first episode of, of this second season of the Should Have Acted podcast. Twitter handle is going very well with Big V's intervention. Um, you actually have seen today Big V put his best of the day and my best of the day up there. How'd that go for us? Well, I think um, yeah, I think you've got the honours for the first week. You've got both your best bets. 2-0 lead. 2-0 lead I'm going to take. So, uh, yeah, if you do want to see our, our best bets of the day, jump on the Twitter handle, at Should Have Backed It, on a Saturday morning. We might start to make that a more regular thing to put a few of our um, best bets for the day up so that you can all take a look and jump on Big V's bets and disregard mine it, anything else big v no it's been a, a great day of racing it's going to get even bigger next week at flemington with the i think it's the lightning stakes and then we've got the csa so we'll see catalyst and alligator blood go up against each other for round one so it's a, going to be a big weekend next week let's Looking get ready to, to rumble all right thanks for joining us today on the should have backed it podcast Can't wait to get through season two and uh, as always, good luck on the punt.